0: Welcome to Femtech Focus with Dr. Brittany Barreto, exploring the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. Welcome to the Femtech Focus podcast, where we have meaningful and provocative conversations with Femtech experts. These academics, doctors, and innovators tell us about the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Brittany Barreto, and in today's episode, I interview Appy Donnell, CEO and founder of Work & Mother. Work & Mother, with the ampersand for the and, work and for stamp, mother, <laughs> provides a network of fully equipped lactation facilities that not only support working mothers, but make it easy for employers to be in compliance with FLSA regulations. Working mother helps prevent workplace attrition associated with childbirth while also helping moms reach their breastfeeding goals and keep their children happy and healthy. Our conversation was so fruitful. We talked about the importance of breast milk for babies and some biology around breast milk, the importance of the setting that a woman is pumping in in order for her to have the most milk production. And We also talked about social inequalities of you know, a woman who works in an office space may potentially have, you know, uh, at least a broom, a, uh, broom janitor room or a conference room to go into. But what about the women that are working minimum wage jobs, you know, that do certainly do not have a lactation suite? And, you know, what can we do as a community to make sure that these are moms that are still able to breastfeed for as long as they want and give them access to it? you want to learn more about Work and Mother, go to workandmother.com. Abby, how are you? Hey, good. How are you? I'm good. I haven't seen you in a while.
1: I know. Sad. These last few weeks have been um, quite an adventure at home.
0: I know. I usually see you at events, and I at least once a month I get an update, and so I feel like I'm really excited to get the update on record. <laughs> I haven't seen you. Well,
1: I'm excited to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah. So you are founder CEO of and Mother, and it is all about the working mom who's breastfeeding, right? That's right. I'm so excited about this. This is actually our first breastfeeding um, episode. So Yay. that it's about time we've been we've had a lot of vagina and uterus episodes, which is great. I've noticed
1: that. Yeah. <laughs> I've, been been listening.
0: <laughs> I've been like, we gotta we gotta migrate throughout the woman's body. So um, I'm really excited <laughs> to talk about uh, breastfeeding. Um, why don't you tell our listeners about your background first?
1: Well, my background is originally in uh, marketing and advertising. Uh, so I've spent most of my career in that field. Um, and you know, it was a, it's, it's been fun and I've enjoyed it and it's actually given me a lot of skills that have helped me with work and mother. But what's interesting about it is the environment of advertising and marketing is that kind of open office floor plan, um, which is part of what sparked the idea for work and mother. Mm. And, um, so once I had the idea and started really looking into, breastfeeding and all that entailed and pumping at work, I went and got my certificate in lactation counseling. So I am also now um, a certified lactation counselor.
0: Ooh. And how long ago was it, this idea?
1: It It was about three years ago that I originally had it, three to four, maybe.
0: And you just had your first child, so you weren't breastfeeding yet. So why was breastfeeding on your mind?
1: Right. I actually, I, I now have a 13 month old. So um, it was kind of, I, I got pregnant a around the time that we launched our first location. Mm-hmm. But I started working on this long before that um, because uh, I ended up going, I was getting my MBA at Rice. So I was in all of these entrepreneurship classes. I was still working full time in marketing. And around that time, uh, all my friends started having children. And The majority of them went back to work around 10 or 12 weeks and they were trying to breastfeed. And all I was hearing, like I feel like every time I talked to any of them, how are you doing, all I was hearing was how incredibly hard and frustrating it was to breastfeed and how impossible it was to keep doing it once they went back to work. Mm. And these are people that worked at it didn't matter if it was a, you know, a, a company with primarily women or if it, you know, some of them were working at really prominent oil and gas companies where you would think they had the facilities and the you know infrastructure to provide these places for moms, but it, was, it, it just wasn't there. And so I had nothing to add to the conversation because I didn't have any kids yet, and so I just sat and listened, and I thought to myself, like, that sounds so horrible. And I knew I wanted to have kids in the future. I figured I'd continue working. I liked what I was doing. But I looked around this open office floor plan, and, and I thought to myself, it didn't matter how supportive my employer was, which like my employer at the time was super family friendly, it didn't matter. There was nowhere for me to, there would have been nowhere for me to bump. There was not a single private office. There was a single unisex bathroom. And so I was like, this is, <laughs> this isn't going to work. So I set out to create what I hoped exi- would exist for me and all of my friends.
0: So. Mm. And you know, what do work, what do workplaces do now for women that are breastfeeding?
1: Oh, well, it varies. Um, most, most of them don't do anything until they realize they have a need, and then they're like, oh, here, let's convert this office, or let's turn this closet. You know, there, I, I've heard countless stories of women pumping in bathrooms or closets or bouncing around to find a spare, uh, spare empty office. One, one woman I talked to um, was told to use the conference room, and um which is a joke because a it had glass walls b it didn't lock and c she was like okay if they're having a meeting what am i supposed to do bust in and be like all right boys get out I gotta <laughs> um i think w- more recently it's been very nice to see a lot of offices you know they're putting in wellness rooms mm. and wellness rooms and some are p- actually creating dedicated mother's rooms um but what we're seeing is that having those in the office, especially if they're kind of multi-purpose wellness rooms, is actually still n- kind of falling short for moms because they're having to either the rooms are either not not available. You know, now that everyone has mm-hmm. open offices with glass, that everyone wants to take phone calls in private, or you know, meditate, or not if they don't feel well and they lay down, which especially now with COVID, you know, we, we don't want to share these germy environments. Um, but not only that, they're having to like carry their equipment to the company break room to refrigerate it or wash it. Um, mm. And so that's been a huge issue as well. So what Working Mother does is we create a shared space solution. Um, our facilities are, I guess to give background to everyone, um, we're a network of fully equipped Lactation facilities to enable working moms to pump during the workday, and so we provide everything uh, that a mom needs to pump: hospital-grade equipment, um, all the cleaning and sterilization supplies, and uh, refrigeration lockers, everything. And so, what we become is more of a office building amenity that you know moms can use while they're at work and they step out they pump they keep working we have a lot of workstations a lot of moms keep working and
0: inside like, the lactation room yeah
1: so yeah. um every single, we have these private stations within our suites and um some are set up kind of as lounges and uh some are set up as office stations and what we found is overwhelmingly the moms preferred the office stations because guess what they're at work and they want to work and they want to get stuff done and get back home yeah. So. Um, you know, with with all of the pump and supplies, everything they're waiting for, them, it's actually a really quick and seamless process, as opposed to if they're trying to take it on themselves within their office, they're having to, you know, pack up a huge pump bag every morning, lug that mm-hmm. to work, you know. No one is fooled as to what you're carrying around this heavy thing, and then you're, you know, having to carry it across the office to the whatever room you're going to use to pump, unpack it all, set it all up, um, you know, break it all down, go clean it, it, what have you. And this, you just, you know, we've got, we've got like a RFID security system. You book your room, you badge in, your stuff is there. And it's, you know, it's just so much easier to release this like lo- logistical nightmare for moms and creates a, an added level of privacy and security.
0: Wow. This is incredible. And so um, walk us through, like, it's not an individual business, each one doesn't have a lactation suite, right? What I understand is that you actually offer a suite for like a building with many businesses within it, right? Right. Exactly. So cool. So there's, um, you said you provide things too for the mom. What, what do you provide in there?
1: So we have hospital grade pumps and we provide, every mom gets her own attachment kit mm-hmm. um, to use with our pumps. And then at the station, you know, every single pump station in every room, we have the milk storage bags, we have um, breast pads, we have cut lanolin, hand sanitizer, sterilizing wipes, everything. So um, it's all there. It's all there for Mm -hmm. you. We've got refrigeration and storage, everything.
0: And I've seen some pictures of the rooms. They are beautiful. They're like so (laughs) relaxing looking, but also professional.
1: Yes, thank you. That was we we spent a lot of time working on the design uh, because when a woman's body is tense, she doesn't actually her letdown is hindered, and so mm-hmm. the whole pumping process is improved if she is feeling relaxed and kind of secure. So the spaces are very calming and quiet and uh, beautiful. And um but still it's still a professional environment. You can see we still mm-hmm. have arms, you know, working as they pump. So um, so I'm glad you I'm glad you like them.
0: Yeah, I know some of the wellness rooms, it's so dimly lit.
1: <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> I, know, I know. Everyone that walks in is like, Oh my god, this is beautiful. <laughs> and I think the bar for some of these things are it's just set so low, you so know. Seeing I've gone to so many offices and buildings and looked at what the conditions women are pumping in and yeah, we had we had one mom um who was her she was the first one to um, go on maternity leave at her her company so they didn't have a policy in place she came back to work and I think maybe she was a little shy I don't know but um one of her coworkers spoke up to I guess for because she was pumping in her car every day and, you know, even in Houston, he, like, you don't want to be pumping in your car plus just privacy. Um, and so her, I mean, management, um, got in touch immediately. They felt horrible. Thankfully they were so sweet and supportive of her. They just didn't realize it was an issue. You know, they didn't even think about it to create a policy around yeah. the space. So we got her in right away and, um, and, I just think the bar has been set so low for so long that you walk into these spaces and I'm
0: just like shocked. <laughs> yeah. I actually remember that car story when I, um, I don't remember if it was like the first time I met you or what, but the, the moment I was like, I need to champion this woman in this mission because it's so important was when you told me that women pump in their cars and, you know, heat and stress decreases the amount of milk mm-hmm. that comes out. And so I, you know, I, I mean, I can't imagine sitting in a Houston car and feeling relaxed in the summer, <laughs> wow. right? Right. Wow. When
1: and when moms return to work, that's a tough time. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter you know how many weeks you've been at home. Like that those weeks transitioning back to work, you've you know, it's an emotional time. You are wanting to prove yourself at work, but you're also, you know, it's it's a hard time. And so all of these things factor into your ability to pump, and a lot of women go to work and they see a huge tank in their supply, and it's, like, no wonder, because it's like they're juggling all these things, all the stress, they have nowhere to go, and this this is setting them up to succeed, you know, both at work and mm. at breastfeeding, mm. um, and we even had a second one of our moms who uh, told me that one day she, she didn't need to pump, but she badged in just to take a moment. She just needed a moment to breathe and recollect herself and move back to work. And when you think about that from like a productivity level for employers and stuff, mm-hmm. by providing this, you're actually setting up moms to perform better at work. And that contributes to the bottom line for the employers.
0: So yes. it's it's a win-win in that regard. Well, and the employers actually pay membership for having this lactation suite in their building, right? It's not like the moms have to pay for it.
1: Right, so employers are legally obligated to provide a space um, for mom to pump for up to a year after her baby's born. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's lots of nuances to the law, so I won't get too into that. Um, but but we basically make it easy for them to comply to that mm-hmm. requirement because um, rather than you know adapting their space or creating something. Um, for this mom for this year you know they're able to outsource it to us and it's just it's it's easy um, and so um, so it, it's it's something that they can then provide as a benefit to their employees as well
0: yeah so it's taking care of their legal obligation it's allowing the mom to, you know, prosper in her job as she comes back, which in turn makes her more effective at her job, which hopefully makes the business better, right? It's just like this total win. How many, yeah. how many minutes or hours per day does a pumping mom spend pumping?
1: Well, it really varies from uh, woman to woman, and it also depends greatly on how old her baby is, um, and. Um, so, but what we tend to see is that when moms are first coming back to work at that kind of twelve week mark ten to twelve week mark, they're probably pumping three times a day um and it takes anywhere from fifteen to thirty minutes, depending mm. on once again um the mom, but we have um you know the best pumps out there, their hospital grade and are user pumps so um we it tends to be a slightly faster process than um you know if they're bringing some of the other um, some of the other pumps in themselves, um, but then as their child grows and starts introducing solids, it uh, jumps down to kind of two or what once a day.
0: Got it. And you know, how many uh buildings are you in now?
1: So we have we are in two, have a third under development, and have many more in the pipeline.
0: Awesome. And, you know, I know you said, like, the typical business, you know, situation now is a conference room with a sign on the door or a broom <laughs> closet, right? But are there yeah. other, like, lactation suite technologies out there?
1: Um, I think that the closest I've seen, which I think most people might be familiar with, are the Mama Valk pods. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've seen I've the, seen the
0: pods lot. at, like, the airport. Air, yeah,
1: so they've done a really great job. Um, I like company a lot. They've, they've done a really great job of... Um, addressing kind of the airport, stadium, conference uh, scene. And, like, they're very good for on-the-go. But it's really just a privacy pod. Um, and so for an office place, it's a, you know it's not really a practical solution. Um, and what we provide that kind of differentiates us is in addition to having this full-service solution, we're providing a lot of support resources. Mm. So and everything from... Lactation consultant uh, appointments. To we're we're doing some programming and events. And what we're what we're really um, trying to foster is this kind of sense of community within your uh, sort of few block radius of the workplace. Because um, what we found is that when moms go back to work and are having issues or hitting road bumps they don't necessarily want to confide in a coworker because they don't want to mm. be seen as not, you know, fully committed at work. Like they mm-hmm. want to show that they are there 110%. Uh, but by having these encounters in our spaces with moms who are essentially going through the same thing at the same time and also other, you know, working with moms in potentially even the same industries, uh, what you're creating is sort of this natural support system um, and I walked into one of our suites a few months ago and I heard um, some of the moms, talk, you know, talk about, what are, what did you do for the four month sleep regression? And so they're like swapping tips and talking about their experiences. And it was like this moment that I was just so happy. because That was exactly what I want. You know, that was exactly what I had hoped for. And I saw it kind of playing out. Um, and so it really provides some- just this full service support as you transition back to work, even beyond the goal is to grow even beyond breastfeeding, just to follow that working parent journey.
0: Mm. Um, My gosh, it's like a little lactation club.
1: Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, that'll be back
0: <laughs> um, and I mean the market for this must be giant it's essentially any building that has a mom has a woman working in it of fertility age right I mean yeah
1: and not only i mean basically any commercial building yeah we back it out too i mean we're starting in the sort of dense, um, office environment, but, um, and you know, I really want my, my vision is to really be able to let moms live their lives, you know, get their work done, do that, run their errands, but still be able to succeed in breastfeeding. I mean, Mm -hmm. pumping is hard work. Breastfeeding is hard work. And then you get to this pumping situation and that's, that's really hard and it requires logistics and it requires patience. And, you know, if when you're a new mom, especially, it's like trying to live your life with this pumping schedule, um, it's hard work. And so to be able to free moms up and to be like, oh, I want to be across town for a meeting, but I can pop into this work in mother's suite and pump real quick and get back to it. I mean, mm. to f- kind of free them up to where, um, the routine of your day isn't going to interfere with your chances of success around breastfeeding.
0: Are there statistics around women quitting breastfeeding and going to formula when they go back to work because of the lack of convenience? The drop-off is huge. So
1: about 80% attempt um, to breastfeed. But when you're thinking about like, you know, the um, American – um, Association of Pediatrics recommends that moms exclusively breastfeed for the first six months and then uh, breastfeed supplementally as they begin to introduce foods up to 12 months. And what you see is about 80% kind of attempts out, right? And then when you get to that six-month mark, only 19% make it. Wow. And when you think about it, the average mom takes 10 weeks maternity leave. And, I mean, don't even get me started on paid leave. It's, it's so sad. <laughs> Uh, but that's basically setting moms up to fail yeah, at that. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, and then the other tricky part just with regard to working and breastfeeding is that around the three month mark, your baby actually goes through some growth, uh, some growth spurts that can affect their lats and their feeding patterns. Mm-hmm. So that happens alongside of your return to work. Mm. <laughs> and that is like just throwing moms for a loop. And then they if they make it through that, then there's a four month regression. and it's like, as a new mom, especially trying to navigate going back to work, if you don't have support in doing that, that's so hard.
0: yeah, wow, I have a lot of questions let's <laughs> <laughs> Let's start with this one. um why is breast milk so important?
1: Oh, wow, um so. My favorite. There are so many health benefits, um, and there, there are lots of benefits in general. The you know um, your ability to bond with your baby. Uh, There's studies on reducing um, uh, chances of obesity and diabetes, and all these health benefits for baby and for mom actually reduce the rates of breast and ovarian cancer. But my favorite health benefit of breastfeeding is that you actually pass on antibodies to your baby through your breast milk. Um, so your breast milk changes even throughout the day to provide uh, relevant nutrition to your baby. And like even right now, especially with COVID going on and just a heightened alert to antibodies of health, um, that is my favorite part. Just knowing that you're you're essentially sharing your immune system with your baby.
0: Yeah, because that's what antibodies are, right? It's essentially the um, things in your body that are able to ward off you know, illnesses. So that's why when you get the chicken pox one time, I'm of the generation Uh where we didn't have a vaccine yet. So, (laughs) 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 um, I got chicken pox and now I'm immune to it because my body has antibodies against it. And so what you're saying is that breastfeeding in the milk, my antibodies are passed on to the baby. Right.
1: So you help boost your baby's immune system and Mm. that is extra important. Um, babies of working moms because a lot of times they're in daycare plans. yeah, and so they're being exposed to so many so many germs which um uh, so you can kind of i mean in any environment really it's it's just such a an added benefit to be able to boost your baby's immune mm-hmm. system that way
0: i'm gonna um be a little nerdy right now and mm-hmm. uh just take the stage so i know something about nipples um <laughs> So when I had my uh, DNA based dating app, uh, Pheromore, I had to learn a lot about pheromones. So pheromones are hormones that affect somebody else instead of yourself. So you release them, but they affect those around you. And we have pheromones for sexual attraction, but we also have pheromones for, um, connecting with babies. And so they say that, you know, and by, they say science shows, sorry, (laughs) (laughs) trying to narrate the science shows that, um, pheromones come out of hair follicles and the only hair on a baby is on its head. And so there are claims that that's why we're so attracted to like picking up a baby and putting their head next to our nose to smell them, you know? And when I saw these like figures, I was like, Oh my God. Yeah. Why do we smell their heads? Like who, why do we do that? You know, but it's biological. And the other one is that women actually release pheromones from around their areola Uh and the baby can pick up on it. And Uh they did this test where they like rubbed a areola of um, a woman who was not the baby's mom, put it in on the baby's nose while it was sleeping and the baby didn't wake up. They rubbed the areola, like took a sample of the areola, you know, smell or whatever and put it under her baby's nose while it was sleeping. And the baby started to suckle the air. Wow, and uh that's what I know about nipple pheromones very interesting <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, it is it's it's fascinating, and you know they've only just really started scratching the surface on research around breast milk and the benefits yeah. uh, related. I feel like there's a new study every day that's showing you know that it could be used for this, it could benefit this um but you know, I think for the longest time it just wasn't an area of focus, and mm. so um. I'm actually really excited to see a lot more research around it. I think they're gonna, um, yeah, I think they're gonna be able to be a little bit more explicit about explaining the benefits um, than they have been in the past.
0: Definitely. I mean, when I was in my PhD program, so 2013 to 2017, there was another genetic student uh, in my cohort that was doing breast milk research in uh, in context of the microbiome. So the bacteria, uh, flora that lives in your stomach and like, yeah. is that established through breast milk as a baby, you know, because that, that microbiome affects everything. Yes. Yeah.
1: Oh, send me it
0: away. Yeah. Yeah. I'll see if she, what her thesis published paper was. <laughs> yeah. i I'll it. send it to you. I'd love to
1: read
0: it. Oh my God. I love diving off into science. Uh, I know. I do too. I can really kick
1: <laughs> <geek> out. <laughs> Although you can probably take me <laughs> my 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 knowledge on science is much more and uh, surface
0: level. I just got to put my student debt to work here. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I feel that <laughs> Prove to myself it was worth it. Um, so in terms of uh, women in other countries, how do do you know about how other countries handle breastfeeding at work? Is it an issue there too, or did you know is it well, better?
1: I mean, I think it varies a lot. I think the hard thing, it's such, I think it's a much bigger issue here simply because of our lack of paid leave. I mean, you look at some of of these other countries where they've got such generous leave.
0: um, Mm. Oh, that's right. They're not even expected to go back to work. Oh, that's right. So here, you know. Yeah,
1: so it's a much, it's a much, more pressing issue um, here. That said, even in other countries, the the lack of facilities and support and equipment around breastfeeding and pumping is still. There. I mean, it's still a huge need. It's um, starting to improve as awareness starts to improve, mm-hmm. but uh, I think that there's still a lot of progress to be made, even in areas with better leave policy.
0: Yeah, better leave policy, and also my understanding is that breastfeeding in public in other countries is not as weird. Whereas in the United States, people are asking women to wear a towel over their head, you know?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Although thankfully now it's legal. Um, it's legal everywhere. I believe in all the States, um, to breastfeed in public.
0: Was that not always the case?
1: Yeah. Well, there's some indecent exposure um, Mm. issues, but yes. So now, um, They've made. They have in recent, in uh, kind of the past few years, made some progress uh, in that regard. Although there's still a ways to go with just you know breastfeeding rights and uh, policy. Um, it's been interesting to see though. So that the 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 requirement I mentioned earlier is a federal requirement. And it's been interesting to see that as more women are elected into office, there's been more legislation proposed on a state and even municipal level. So uh, it's, I think that we're going to see more and more improvement uh, in the next few years, just as, as there are more working moms in, you know, in, uh,
0: positions of authority. That's right. Yeah, actually, um, you know, I record these way ahead of, of uh, launching them. Today, we launched the Megan from Australia uh, episode, and she actually studied um, international relations, and she studied it with a feminist lens. And she said that in her research, what she found was that unless women are in political power, women's needs will not be prioritized. And it's not yeah. because men are anti-women necessarily, right. but uh, it's that, you know, if a natural disaster comes, getting 100,000 tampons to women in the home, the shelter isn't a thing they think about. It, it doesn't cross their mind. It doesn't cross their mind. And right. so she said, we need to get more women in politics yeah. because they will have it front of mind that, yeah, right. I'm a breastfeeding mom and this courthouse, I'm going to need a room. And by the way, all the other women in the <laughs> country need it too, wherever they <laughs> work.
1: Right, exactly. Yeah. 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 I've talked to a lot of men about this these days, especially in real estate. And it's been, it's been nice. Um, actually, a lot of them, you know, their wives have gone through it or the, someone I know, you know, they've been, they have a, or, you know, in some cases, they, um, have a daughter who's just become a mother and so they've kind of seen some struggles firsthand but every now and then you get a comment that's like well I don't know what the women in my office have been doing all these years but they've managed somehow oh (laughs) my god (laughs) (laughs) what's your retention right let's 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 look at how they've managed yes Oh my but, gosh! But most in in general, I have found those to be to get get it, um, or they're starting to do more and more. So that's actually
0: been very nice. That's been my experience too. That when I bring up femtech, um, I always I'm actually going to call two of them out. They're they're the co-founders of this oil and gas startup called Mineral, and their names are uh-huh. Jacob and Kyle. If you guys are listening, this one's for you. They are the like status quo oil and gas cowboys, right? They're uh, like, they wear boots and belt buckles and they're white and they wear cowboy hats. They're like, they're, they are oil and gas, white Texas boys. And, um, I told them about femtech and they honestly, because I brought it up so gently and in a way that it was pr- approachable and uh, open, they said, Hey, uh, we actually have a lot of questions, you know? Yeah. And one of them is married with a wife and has even has a kid. And he was like, So do you use like one tampon for the whole week? You know, but he was like, honestly asking me, you know, and because I didn't shame him and I didn't put him down, I just said, no, in fact, they have to be changed every four hours. He was like, wow. Yeah. You know? And so I, I didn't notice that if you, as long as you bring it up without like accusing or, um, anger, like the men are actually very, very receptive to this.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's well,
0: awesome. Go men. Come listen to the podcast and <laughs> <laughs> start a femtech company. It's important. Yeah. Um, I'm actually going to throw uh, a little extra question in here because it's come up um, that as I'm thinking about it. So I've been thinking a lot about uh, so socioeconomic status and yeah. what that means. Uh, right now it's coming up because of COVID and like what is an essential worker and are they yep. safe and all this stuff. So what about like, um, women who don't work in an office building and they work at McDonald's or they work yeah. at, you know, something that's a, they're a waitress or something. Right. And how do they breastfeed?
1: Yeah. Okay. So I thought a lot about this and it's such a, I mean, logistically it's so tricky, right? Um, what I'm so excited about what we're doing by creating a network of these is that, um, there's, you know, for example, we have sort of a, food hall near, um, near ours, one of our locations downtown. And so there's a lot of, um, restaurant workers or, um, even people, um, that maybe they're not in the office environment, but they are delivering or they're stopping by or it's on their route, you know, whatever. Oh, yeah. Um, so there's no reason that they can't become members and use our facility. Their employer if they have um, fifty or more employees across the board, not at just one location, just across the board, they have to provide us a space. Mm-hmm. So, um, so someone who works at McDonald's that is in a building next door to a Working Mother Suite could use our our suites. Yeah, um, and so that's what makes me so excited excited about doing more of a shared space approach. Yeah. Is that you know when companies tackle it individually, what you end up with is a lot of very sub solutions um uh, but what you know what we're able to do is provide a solution that reaches and has the potential to reach a lot more people and as we grow the network that become you know that that multiplies
0: oh so, i mean, i love that hard- so much
1: <laughs> yeah it, it really gets me excited i mean the hard thing is that there are some locations that will take us a lot longer to be able to grow to but um but with scale you know i i think we're able to catch up a- Cast uh, a much bigger
0: net. Absolutely, and if you're thinking about it now in your early stages, I mean that just makes me happy. It's not an afterthought after you're mm-hmm. huge and you're like, oh wait, we're allowing privileged mothers to have privileged babies with breast milk. You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> right? No. no, my goal
1: is to to really be accessible yeah. um, to as many to to every working mom. Um, you know, we're just starting in the dense office towers, because that makes
0: the most sense. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So cool. All right. Another random question. Mm -hmm. So uh, an episode that's going to come on before yours is Mosey baby for listeners who've already listened to that. You will remember she brought up nipples uh, post breastfeeding nipples. So (laughs) you work in the breastfeeding space. Do you have anything to say about if there could be innovation for uh, breast feeding nipples like you know she said that there's a lot of challenges around that I don't even know which is a is crazy I'm the host of Femtech Focus podcast and I don't even know what issues there are around nipples besides like I guess they get chapped or something but Mm -hmm. tell us about that and like is there any innovation around it um well I can't wait to
1: listen to that episode Um, (laughs) I don't know actually of any particular innovation around nipples specifically um i know that there's a, been a lot lately of um, innovation around uh, pumps breast pumps mm. and wearables and uh, like kind of breastfeeding accessories which has been amazing um i think as far as the need for innovation in in this field the sky's the limit at this point like yes we, <laughs> we can benefit from innovation in all aspects of this um, But it is, I think, I'd be interested to hear more about what she's talking about. Um, The only thing I've heard innovation-wise around, like, kind of nipples is around baby's latch and the Mm. ability for moms to know if the baby is transferring milk well and, like, about tongue ties um, because that's been a huge problem for a lot of moms who are breastfeeding. And I know for me in particular – You know, when you're in the hospital, you have your baby, there's a lactation consultant that comes to the room and kind of checks on how it's going. Well, in the hospital, you just have colostrum, which is like the tiniest bit of like very, very nutrient dense milk. And it's thicker and the baby needs like just the tiniest amount. And your milk doesn't actually come in for, you know, three to five days. So it's, that happens once you're the home. And what happens is that I, with, with my baby, I, I had no problem in the hospital. The latch was easy. Like it, it just happened. And I was like, oh my God, I got this. This is amazing. I was so excited. Well, I get home and two days later, my milk comes in and suddenly like he, even the way you're like the shape and the size of your breasts can change when that happened. And so it, suddenly he wasn't latching, and I was freaking out and I didn't know what to do. And of course that happened that night, you know, when you're like, what, like, just kind of at a loss and so um those are the kind of that's like when now you're kind of like oh no now I need a lactation consultant on speed dial or I need to be able to text someone or call someone Mm -hmm. Uh, and so I think there is room for a lot of innovation and support around just the entire breastfeeding journey from the latch to the understanding of it um I think a lot of people are worried on you know in the first couple days their milk hasn't come in but that's that's actually Normal. That's how it goes, and um, so yeah. So anything that helps, kind of, just even like just the to feel not so like I guess alone in that part of the journey where you're you're a new mom and you're worried that you're not doing it right. But you know, I think um, innovation in that area is really helpful.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm um gonna ask you a, a question that's actually a trick question. Um, yeah, because awesome. the answer is everything, but <laughs> we have a lot of aspiring founders on this, mm-hmm. uh, on this podcast that are lit. They listen to this podcast mm-hmm. and they want to be in femtech, but they don't know what to innovate. What do you think is one of the topics that absolutely needs innovating in femtech? Oh man. One Again, trick question. Things. Trick yeah. question. Cause the answer is everything, <laughs> but yes.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, Oh yeah, the answer is everything. I guess all since just to keep it on topic, um, I, I think there can be a lot around. Um, or, or what I would love to see, I guess, is a is something to help moms understand the transfer of milk during breastfeeding because mm. we we constantly worry that our baby isn't getting enough, and you know, are they growing appropriately? Get, are they transferring enough milk, especially in those? first few days of breastfeeding kind of on your own and um you know there are ways to weigh your baby feed your baby weigh your baby um which is what lactation consultants help you do and the doctors help you do um but what happens is that a lot of moms especially um some of us who are you know numbers obsessed um Hmm. what what we tend to do is we'll pump um to see how much we're getting and, and then sometimes we panic if it's not enough. Well, there's a mm-hmm. lot of things that factor into how much you get when you pump time of day, your hydration level, your, um, the pump you're using. But really when push comes to shove, your baby is a much more efficient, uh, is much more efficient at pulling, pulling, or, um, obtaining milk from you than a pump is, mm-hmm. um, in those early days and so something that can allow women to kind of breastfeed and pump simultaneously like or interchangeably as they need to but feel confident um, with the breastfeeding process that they're transferring enough and that um, you know they, they're to reinforce that they're doing a good job
0: yeah Yes, I'm already thinking. <laughs> <How could> that... <laughs> you know, because at least when it pumps in a bottle, you know like how much is there. But you the baby exactly. not it. and,
1: and it's kind of frustrating. Some, you know, when you're pregnant, you're like getting your hands on all these baby books, and they talk about how much. Like, I feel like one of the top questions is like, how much does my baby need, and how often? And a lot of these books will say like this many ounces. Well, then you are breastfeeding, and it's like, well, what does that mean?
0: Yes. You know? Yes. Cause you can't see what's coming out the nipple and it goes in the baby's mouth. Right. Whoa. Oh, this is interesting. This is really mm-hmm. interesting. And what do you think, um, femtech as an industry needs the most right now? <laughs> um, well,
1: funds and advocates, I would say. Funds um, and
0: advocates. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And and to circle back to kind of what we were touching on earlier, um, I'd love to see more men involved. I feel like we go to a lot of these events for women or, you know, to advocate for, um, women-owned businesses and, mm. um, female-founded startups and it's a room full of women and we're talking about how much there needs to be funding for women, but there isn't. And it's like, we're looking around and we're, we're preaching to the choir. Um, <laughs> yes. And, um, and I you know I think we need to open the conversation to people of all walks of life and just um have better understanding and advocacy for what what's going on.
0: I love it diversifying the advocacy pool of people talking uh-huh. about femtech and when you say funds, do you mean um like investment for startups or research or both? both actually yeah um
1: but i uh, specifically for for that early early um Stage, which I guess kind of dovetails with research in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you have so many funds that talk about them being an early stage investor, but then you, when you really start talking to them, it's like, oh, by early stage, we we mean like you've got to have this much revenue. It's like, well, I'm early. You know, when you're first getting started, it's, it's tough.
0: Yeah, <laughs> what's know? earlier than early then? Because that's where right. I'm at.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, the, the pre-early, yeah.
0: Mm hmm. hmm. Yeah. Oh, well, I hope one day I become wildly rich through Femtech Focus. I'm not sure how. It's a nonprofit, but <laughs> I, hope I, I, <laughs> am so I hope because all of my money is going into Femtech. So, <laughs> because, you know, I tell people, you know, I love Femtech because it's about women's rights and I'm all about mm-hmm. activism, but it's also about biology and science, which obviously yeah. I'm a giant nerd and love it. But mm-hmm. thirdly, I'm a VC and there's a lot of money to be made here. Yes. There's a lot of money to be made in femtech. Women are not niche. And these, you know, your your competition is a broom room, right? That's your competition. Your competition <laughs> slide shows conference room with sign on it. You know, it's like, yeah, it's a no-brainer. I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, Abby, this has been so much fun. You're a great friend of mine. I love having seen your progress through the years and um I love what you're working on. It's really important. Oh,
1: thank you. Well,
0: this has been fun and it's been nice to catch up. Yeah. And if uh anyone listening, if you work in an office building and you don't have a lactation suite, go to work in mother, send a request, DM her. I will put all yes. of her tags up when this episode comes out. And let's um and even if you're not a woman, you're a man and you work in an office and you look around and, you know, once you go back to work, that is, if you don't see a lactation suite, you know, advocate for the women in your office because they, they may be nervous too. So do it for yes. them, you know? I,
1: yes. So just quick add on to that. I was just talking to a woman who she's, she's not pregnant yet, but wants to in the future, but her company didn't have a room or a policy. And she was scared to advocate for it because she thought it would look Um, self-serving. So we need, you know, we need advocates of all like, you know, women and men in office.
0: Yep. Of of pre-birthing age, birthing age, post-birthing, all of the ages, all the genders, all of the everything. Yes. Awesome, Abby. Well, I will talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to my interview with Abby Donnell, CEO and founder of Work and Mother. If you have a business that needs a lactation suite, reach out to Abby at workandmother.com. Some announcements before we go. Don't forget to register for FemTech Forum with Women of Wearables on June 25th. It's a virtual conference and where, where where you are in the world, what situation you're in, you know, you can still tune into their conference. Tickets are still available. Go to womenofwearables.com and register for the FemTech Forum. FemTech Focus is a proud community sponsor of this conference. And make sure you support the podcast by sharing it with your friends, posting it on your Facebook, share it on LinkedIn, subscribe, rate and review. Follow us on social media, reach out to us, ask us a question, give us a suggestion. And until next time, keep innovating because improving women's health and wellness improves everyone's health and wellness.